Welcome to the Monkey Mind Podcast, your number one platform for athletes and mental health. Hosted by myself, Danny Perez. On today's episode, we have Clint Malarchuk. Clint was a goaltender in the National Hockey League for 12 years and had a 15-year pro career. He's a mental health advocate, speaker, and host of the Warriors Unmasked podcast alongside Monkey Mind Podcast episode 79 guest, Chuck Thuss. But before we get to today's episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Daily Dose CBD Inc. Daily Dose CBD Inc. creates full-spectrum CBD products ranging from tinctures, bombs, and dog treats. Research has shown that CBD has successful results in aiding in the following areas. Anti-inflammation, anxiety, PTSD, help with breaking addiction, neuroprotection, epilepsy, arthritis, chronic pain, and sleeping disorders. Daily Dose makes an extremely safe and effective product that we know you will love, enjoy, and benefit from. Daily Dose has given Monkey Mind listeners 15% off all their orders. Head over to DailyDoseCBDInc.com and use promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off your purchases. That's promo code MONKEYMIND15 for 15% off all your orders at DailyDoseCBDInc.com. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm excited to have you on. So if you want to just introduce yourself to everybody who's listening and uh, tell everybody about yourself and, yeah, your journey. Well, uh, Clint Malarchuk, uh, former NHL goaltender, uh, now pretty much a mental health advocate. Uh, I've got a few uh, zigs and zags in the, in the road of life. Um, you know, uh, struggled with uh, mental illness for sure, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, going way back to when I was, man, I don't know, 10 years old. And I also uh, grew up kind of with a, an abusive father. So uh, was I mentally ill back then as a kid or as, was I just a product like uh, so many of us are of our family life and a lot of people can relate to that and uh yeah so you know i i struggled with all that uh and somehow i I was able to manage it uh to a degree um i think my obsessive compulsive disorder certainly helped me um get to the nhl and have a career but uh it, it it overtook uh my mental health later on so yeah, um, you know, it was I'm I'm pretty well known for a famous uh, accident that happened in Buffalo, playing for the Sabers, 1989, and um, that's where a skate uh, cut my jugular vein. And uh, back then, you know, I came back quick, 10, 11 days, whatever, and uh, there was nothing really addressed about counseling or are you okay? And you know, it was a trauma a life-threatening injury, yet nothing was really brought up about it. It was the next season. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I had so much love and support from Buffalo, uh, upstate New York, the whole hockey world, really. And I kind of became a hero because I came back so quick. And right or wrong, I don't know. I'd probably do it again the same way. But uh, it would have been nice if some mental issues about trauma were addressed. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, it was the next season I really started to feel the effects of the undiagnosed PTSD. And I started to just dive like uh, my mental health. Yeah, I struggled my whole life with it, but nothing was ever diagnosed. Mm. Everything's back in retrospect. You look back in your life and you go, wow, man, was I crazy as a kid in the head and OCD. And we didn't know what OCD was then anxiety uh big anxiety but when you suffer a trauma um and i didn't know this uh trauma can change your your whole physiology your spirituality your your mental state everything that's when my mental illness really uh really went south bad um obvious OCD. I couldn't leave the house. I had to, I had to go to practice. I had to go to games, Mm. but it was hard. It was hard to leave the house. Um, uh, the panic attacks. I don't, I don't think I ever had panic attacks really until 
that time. Uh, now I'm full-blown panic attacks. Middle of the night, uh, the nightmares, I started to see the skate. So I guess I'm painting a picture of that movie actor who, you know, comes back from Iraq or Iran or Vietnam or something. Mm -hmm. And you're watching the movie and the guy's all screwed up, you know, uh, that was me. That was me. I'm just not doing good. I'm not functioning. And it was about that time, Danny, that uh, uh, I couldn't I couldn't stand this. And of course, I'm not telling anybody I'm doing this all in silence. Yep. You know, it's what we do because mostly because of the stigma. And uh, so I remember going to a, I hadn't slept in about 10 days. Well, I would sleep. Okay. I wouldn't go to bed for 10 days mm -hmm. because if I went to bed, I might fall asleep and see that skate again, wake up sweating. And it wasn't just a bad dream. I was reliving trauma mm -hmm. and I didn't know that. I, I didn't know what was going on, but I didn't want to see that and live that. So I'd sit in a chair kind of like on an airplane, you doze off, but you don't really uh, fall asleep into a REM sleep. And so 10 days, 11 days, I'm not sure now. Um, that got, uh, so I was sleep deprived and sleep deprivation can do a lot more. Now I'm suffering with everything else. Now I got sleep deprivation mm -hmm. and we had a Super Bowl party at Pat LaFontaine's house, our hall of fame captain. And, uh, I went there probably, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes and I'm not doing good. So I said, Oh shoot, I'm not feeling well. I got stomach ache or something, you know, I made some phony crap up uh rather than telling the truth and uh went home and and uh i get home and I, I i i just desperately wanted to sleep and i was playing with a an injury a broken thumb and i looked at my thumb and it was hurting but my brain was hurting more and i wanted to sleep and i look at these painkillers and i go wow do not drink with alcohol will make you drowsy i'm like right on <laughs> So uh, I took a few extra, I don't know, I was supposed to take one at a time and I took about five or six and then I drained a bottle of scotch and my heart stopped. So I wake up in the hospital in Buffalo and they think it might be a possible suicide attempt. So I have a psychiatrist um, ask me all these questions and I'm like, no, no, I wasn't trying to kill myself. No, uh, he goes, well, what's going, what's going on with you? Um, how did you end up here? And I said, well, haven't slept. Well, why haven't you slept? Well, I have these flashbacks and, and I can't leave the house and I have panic attacks. And so one question led to another. And finally, for the first time in my life, I got diagnosed with, uh, you know, anxiety, panic attacks, mental, basically mental illness, OCD, anxiety, um, depression. But uh, back then, you know, early, uh, late nineties, early, or late eighties, early nineties, uh, you know, thank God we've come a long ways with, uh, diagnosis, um, medications, things like that, because it was three years of different meds, different medication, different doctors, different therapists, nothing was working. It was, it was not good. And it just kept getting worse too. Mm -hmm. So, um <clears throat> consequently my play really struggled and and i wasn't doing good uh playing and i got sent to the minors it was in the minors my first game there i was brutal got pulled and now i'm devastated because i can't even stop a puck in the minors and uh so uh after that that game uh, i went in because i'm a mess and my head coach, Rick Dudley, is well-known still today in the NHL. He goes, what's going on? Because I said, I'm retiring. I can't take it. I, I just got to go into a hole and or a cave or anywhere and just die. Um, you know, all these crazy uh, thoughts and emotions, depression, all this. And he was under the impression I got sent to uh, the minors just to get my game back on a conditioning stint and I'll be back in the NHL. I told Rick everything. I said, no, Rick, this is going on this, this, this. And he goes, well, we'll get you in to see a doctor. And I said, Rick, I've done this for three years in Buffalo. Nothing has helped. So he got me into a doctor and I, you know, I went, I didn't have much hope, I, you know, just another doctor, another specialist, blah, blah, blah. 
Well, unbeknownst to me at the time, he was a leading specialist in obsessive compulsive uh, disorder, mental illness, um, all these things. And he said, you're going to be fine, son. You're going to be fine. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, but he was very cocky. And he first guy that explained it to me um, as a chemical imbalance of the brain, my serotonin levels, um, which is your mood, you know, stabilizer, um, kind of like a diabetic, their, their insulin levels are off. Mm -hmm. So when your insulin levels are off, you know, you have these, these diabetic seizures, it could be anything. And, uh, he explained it to me that way. And I went, wow. So I'm not crazy. He goes, no, you'll be fine. And he, he had an arrogance about him. And so I kind of had a little, little bit of hope. He gave me a prescription, another prescription mm -hmm. that I'm going to take that never worked. And by God, by six weeks, I was doing pretty good. I was driving to see Dr. Stahl. I went every week and I was playing in San Diego, California. And for the first time, driving there i'm holy moly palm trees wow the weather's nice roll down your window nice you know in january it's beautiful and I, mm -hmm. that's how that's how deep and dark my depression was and uh yeah so i told dr Saul, and by nine weeks my ocd was gone too wow yeah i know it was like i even said i even said to dr Saul, is this what it feels like to be normal mm-hmm because, you know, I'd, I'd struggled with this for probably my whole life to mm -hmm. certain, certain degrees anyways. And uh, so, yeah, that was the beginning. I, I resumed my career. I got into coaching. Uh, I did great for 14, 15 years. All I thought I had to do is take this pill to give my brain the chemical balance that it needed. So over that time, my body got immune to that medication. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, of course, now I'm into coaching. I'm coaching in the NHL. You get fired, you go to this team, you go to this team. And I just kept, when you're in pro sports, as you know, you get a uh, team doctor, renew this prescription, please. And I wasn't checking in with Dr. Stahl, my psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. I just thought I'm good to go, take this. And not knowing that your body can get immune to it, which it did. And uh, yeah, well, um, I started to really spiral again, even worse than I was before. Mm -hmm. Way worse, even. I, I hate to say way worse because that's pretty damn bad. Yeah. Before, but I, I was going down a bad. And uh, uh, so I started to drink. And uh, a lot of people that understand mental illness will also understand addiction because your medication isn't working but if you have a couple beers if you're feeling anxious oh calm you down yep if you're feeling depressed have a few beers oh i feel better i feel happy even though it's called a depressant but not at the time when you're drinking it mm -hmm. and uh yeah so i i was drinking and not doing good um feeling hopeless uh not really knowing what's go going on again I was starting to be psychotic, um, memory loss, insomnia, uh, all these things. And it got to a point um, or one day I just had enough and I was outside, you know, I, I, I am a suicide survivor, but it wasn't like, yes, I had those thoughts, Danny, of I'd rather be dead than live like this, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to do the deed. Yep. And so I'm behind the barn and I'm shooting targets and, you know, um, you know, squirrels or rabbits or whatever. And I'm not doing good. I hadn't slept again. I'm, you know, and I, I'd been up for several days and just, just kind of self-medicating drinking. And my wife came home, it was two 30 in the afternoon. And she said, what is going on with you? I'm sweating. I'm not doing good. I probably stink like alcohol and my eyes are probably dark. And because I had been shooting, I didn't know if there was a bullet in that gun. And she said, how are you doing? What's going on? And I said, I just want to turn this off. And I grabbed that gun and I put it under there and I, I shot it. And I didn't know if there was a bullet in there left or not because I've been shooting. Well, there was. And uh, yeah, I got lodged in my skull. And uh, 
that was the beginning of a new chapter in my life because I guess for the first time in my life, uh, well, I went, obviously I, I get air flighted out to the Reno hospital. And uh, once I got through the physical trauma, my, my chin, my upper palate uh, had to heal. And they sent me to a treatment center. And at that treatment center, I was confused, um, confused about life, confused about where I've been, where I'm going. But uh, the first two months there, I was pretty angry, pretty mean. And uh, the therapist, I wasn't too receptive to any treatment. I was just pissed off, Danny. Pissed off at life, pissed off at living, pissed, pissed off at trying to take my life, everything, mm -hmm. and, and confused. And uh, that's where uh, a therapist uh, wasn't getting through to me because they were trying to tell me now that you got PTSD. And I'm going, no, I don't. What do you mean PTSD? That's a military deal, mm -hmm. veterans. And she goes, well, let's talk about your jugular vein. When you almost died on the ice, you got it cut. That was trauma. And you almost died. And what was it like after that? Two years, a year, three years? I went, whoa, hmm, <laughs> not good. Not good. I really spiraled. Yeah. And um, so I still wasn't convinced. I didn't like this. I'd claimed a lot of my stuff, depression, anxiety, OCD, yep. self-medicating. But now you want to give me another label. And I didn't like it. So I fought it and about two months in, she gave me a book on trauma and I read about a chapter. I won't go into too much detail because it's kind of long, but how animals process trauma, they shake and they process it. And like if uh, fight and flight, if an uh, animal's in flight because another animal's going to eat it, I didn't know about freeze. So let's say the gazelle is running, the cheetah's chasing them, the cheetah catches the gazelle. And then the gazelle or goes in the freeze. Cheetah drags him into the, 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 the weeds and goes and gets the kids to come. And this is documented. This is what I'm reading. Uh, goes and gets the cubs to come eat. But while the cheetah was gone, the gazelle got up, came out of freeze because it fooled the cheetah by freezing. Mm -hmm. thought it was bad. And it got up and it shook each limb violently each one, one at a time, and then its whole body violently processing the trauma. Well, I kind of, I, I really like animals. So I'm kind of going, wow, we're animals too. I never did any of that. I never shook. I never cried. I never really, you know, I just pushed through like a man, like we do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and that's the stigma part because yep. we, we just, yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's oh, yeah, definitely push through, push, push. Uh, suffering silence darkness so my wife was coming to visit me uh, a few days after I'd read that and she got a little fender bender on her way she we live in northern Nevada and I was in San Francisco area so it's about a three three and a half hour drive and she had to come through the mountains a little ice you know um, fender bender and she had to write out a report so she's telling me this when she gets to the treatment center I'm at she goes she's all proud She's so proud. I got, I, you know, the cops came. I filled out a little report and everything. And I held it together, you know, mm -hmm. just like we do, right? We push through. And then she goes, and then Clint, I got in the car and I just started to shake. I couldn't stop shaking. And then I cried and I went, holy. There it God. is. That is the gazelle and the cheetah. Yep. That is what we are supposed to do, but we don't. And we're supposed to. Mm -hmm. so that we're made. So it all clicked. So I, I obviously uh, went and said to my therapist, hey, I got PTSD. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Been telling you this for a while there, son. Yeah. And I went to work. Uh, big word is acceptance. I had to accept my PTSD. Yeah, it took me to read a book and this accident, the hat, you know. But once I accepted I wish I could have just accepted her word that I had PTSD, but we, again, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. We push through and we don't want labels. We don't, uh, you know, and yeah, so I got healthy. Uh, it was a lot of work. Um, 
I remember my first therapy session with her after um, I cried. She had me just sit there and relax and focus on things in the room and everything. All of a sudden I just started running tears, just running. I wasn't sad. I wasn't thinking of anything sad. She just had me focus on, on things. And the uh, thing is, Danny, I cried for three days. Not crying, but tears just came yeah. out of me. She told me later, uh, she was because this was cutting edge therapy. And she was kind of worried about me because she'd see me in the hallway. Hey, Clint, how you doing? I'm right. Good. Yeah. But I got the, the, tears coming down. Yeah. The, 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 I can't turn the tap off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, she told me that uh, she talked to her colleagues and they said, well, think of it. He's had 20 years of undiagnosed PTSD. And that's probably why he shot himself. That's probably what, mm -hmm. you know, this whole deal is about. And now it's just coming out of him. So I had 20 years worth. So I had to, had to, you know, and uh, I was in that treatment center for six months, uh, got well and got, you know, healthy mentally, physically, all, all those things, um, different, different medication. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are against medication. Well, I'm on very, very little medication now, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, but at that time I had to get my meds adjusted, obviously. Um, they weren't working. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, I decided I needed to help people that, uh, are, are suffering like I did in silence and in darkness. So I wrote a book and, uh, you know, I thought the book would help some people. I don't know if I did it to help people. Yes, I did. But I also did it because I needed to get all this out yeah and tell my story my god denny i had emails facebook messages i had tons of like i went oh my god outpouring current nhl players even current mm -hmm. players not just the nhl other sports too that read my book and they just say thank you i thought i was the only one i went wow i thought i was the only one yeah wow there's a uh, lot everyone can resonate with that message that they all, every, yeah, everyone thinks they're the only one going through it and battling those, those yeah. things. No, I was like, wow, there's a lot of Clint Malarchuk's out there. And yeah. that got me into public speaking and doing, you know, doing what I do, a mental health advocate. Um, <clears throat> do I still struggle today? E once in a while, but who doesn't yeah. mentally, mentally ill or not, you can be perfect. We, and especially with the COVID, uh, Dan, um, a lot of people that aren't mentally ill have for the first time in their life experienced like exactly deep depression or anxiety. They're losing their jobs or am I going to lose my job? Yep. And so now we're, we're going to be on a big push guys like you and me uh, to tell our stories and everybody's got a story that needs to be heard without a doubt. Yep. And so we just got to keep doing what we're doing and telling people and that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And it also, you're not weak, man. I played in the NHL as a, a goaltender, mental pre like pressure, like you would not believe. Oh, big time. And I did it with mental illness. So am I weak mentally? Hell no. I'm double tough. Yeah. It's a sickness, not a weakness. And a lot of people, because of this damn stigma, think it's a weakness. And they just suffer in silence. They don't want to tell anybody. And, you know, because of the stigma, it, it's just brutal. Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell my story. That's why you tell your story. It's, and, and it's important that we do because we, we, people hear it and go, wow, you know, these guys were athletes. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and so one thing I wanted to kind of talk about with, with your story, which is an incredibly powerful story is, is that you're just extremely vulnerable with expressing this. And I think there's a lot of power in that. And it's almost like the cat's out of the bag. There's no secret anymore. And you're suppressing these emotions and these feelings. And it's like, you know, you're very open about it. And, but you were on both sides of the spectrum too. You were holding it in and trying to be mentally tough and, and push through. But now you're, you know, a mental health advocate and you tell your story and you say it with, you know, there's no holding back with you. And I think that that's extremely powerful for a number of reasons. I think it helps other people realize, Hey, I'm not the only one feeling these things or going through these, you know, these feelings and, and having these thoughts. And it's also, I'm sure a ton of weight off your back that, Hey, there's nothing to hide. This is who I am. And 
accepting that, like you mentioned, and, you know, working towards getting yourself better. I think there's an incredible power in that. Well, you said that word vulnerability and vulnerability begets vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So people here in my story that are, you know, not, they think they're the only ones, um, you know, they hear a story, hear your story. They go, wow, wow. I relate to that. Yeah. Took you and me to be vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. For them to kind of go, okay, I can be vulnerable. I can come out and say, I'm, I'm struggling here man, I, I, I'm not sure where my head is. Uh, this anxiety, this depression, um, panic attacks, whatever they might be going through, they're able to say, well, I, I can actually say I struggle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. extremely, yeah. And it's, you mentioned it earlier too. And we've talked about it plenty of times in this podcast and previous episodes that you mentioned that everyone goes through something to some degree at some point. And I firmly believe that. And it's, it's, I think, more normal to have at least some point in your life where you're not in the best frame of mind, and, and that's okay. Well, there, there's, and again, I talk, touched on the COVID thing where people might be experiencing things that they've never, so it's not always about mental illness. Mm-hmm. So people now that aren't mentally ill, but they've, they've, they've gone through something to a degree yep. that, that you and I have gone through to a big degree. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But um, it, it's, it's like, we're all, we're all feeling this stuff now and we're all talking about it more, which is why we're doing this. And it's important because there's like you and me suffer in silence and darkness. And that's what people are doing right now. But if they can hear a message and say, Hey, it's okay. Um, I'm not the only one because we all think we're the only one. Exactly. You know, I, I used to think I was the only one. Then I went, nah, there's others, but, but they're not as sick as me. Well, after my book came out, I, I was like, whoa, there's a ton of people. Oh yeah, definitely. And now, and now with COVID, a lot of people, and we got to understand something about trauma too. Trauma, we don't process trauma. We hold it in, right? And the longer we hold it in and another trauma happens, because life is about trauma, small traumas usually, mm-hmm. but let, let's face it. We don't have to be military veterans seeing the horrific stuff they do uh, to like divorce is trauma. No, oh, yeah. Losing a loved one is trauma. And, but we don't cry. We don't hold, we just hold it in. And sooner or later, this stuff has got to come out somewhere. Yep. And it's usually in like, I was, I was going to uh, mention this. We're not all mentally ill like Clint Malarchuk. But a lot of people now are experiencing emotional distress. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Definitely. They're making, you know, with the COVID and job loss and uncertainties and uh, the, the tensions and, and stressors there are with getting vaccine. Do I? Don't I? Um, you know, I got to travel and I want to bring it home to my kids. All mm-hmm. these things are big stressors. And, uh, so with the world we're living in right now, there's a lot of emotional distress. And, and you mentioned the word degree as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know that it, anybody that's gone through what I've gone through or you've gone through can really relate to what we've gone through unless they've been right there. But a lot of people can relate to it to a degree, mm-hmm. maybe, a, maybe a lesser degree. But I just tell people, quit pushing through, open up, talk to somebody. Um, you know, it, it's amazing once people open up the conversation, um, to a spouse, a loved one, a best friend or a doctor or whatever, they, they're going to go, holy, because of that word vulnerability, mm-hmm. they're going to go, holy smokes, me too. I'm not mentally ill or whatever, but man, when I went through that divorce 10 years ago, I was a, a wreck. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, I could, I could hardly function. Yeah. And, but they did it alone and in silence. They didn't exactly. tell anybody. But now that you told your story, they're going, yeah, I remember that. I was, I was really screwed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then from there, you can start to get the help that you need and people can be, Hey, I'm here to help you. And you can see the specialists and the people that are on your side and the ones that are going to help you work through it and get you on the right track. Exactly. Exactly. But it's all about the conversation, opening up and getting rid of the stigma letting people know they're, they're, they're sick or struggling. They're not weak. It's not a weakness. And like, put it this way. Here's another example I like to use. 
the, I think the toughest, most mentally tough people in the, in the world are our veterans. Mm -hmm. Well, our, our, our military. And yet they go over there. They're tough. They're going to a, a job that they might not come home to. That is mental toughness. Yeah. They might not come home to see their family. And they go over there, they see some stuff or, or some things happen to them and they come by, back and we have around 20 to 22 uh, suicides a day from just Afghanistan and Iraq veterans, the most mentally tough people in the world. Mm -hmm. They come back with PTSD, they self-medicate and die by suicide. So is that a weakness? No, it's a sickness. Mm -hmm. We already established they're mentally tough. Yeah, no, I, I completely, completely agree. Um, and I want to go back to what you were talking about with um, when you would go get help and, and your counseling. And um, I actually watched your TED Talk, which is an extremely powerful TED Talk, and I'll have it linked in, in the bio of this um, of this podcast. Um, but I want to go back to that because at the end, you bring up the things that that you do that help you currently. Um, and, you know, I can say the list and you can kind of just feed off that. But, you know, you talk about medication meditating, working out, counseling, and being of service. And I think that those are all extremely powerful things. And, and there are things that work for you and help you get, get you in the right frame of mind. Okay, so well, if you can just dive into that. and Yeah, let's start with medication. A lot of people are uh, anti-medication and that's okay. For me, uh, well, let me, I'll tell you a story. When, when I shot myself, mm -hmm. they asked my wife, what is he taking? Medications, what everything? And they came out, my wife came out with a shoebox full of medication. And they're going, no, ma'am, what's he taking now? Like currently, she's like, this is it. Mm -hmm. They're going, okay. So medication, you got to be careful because you can be over, over prescribed. And I think that's a problem too. It's yeah. important, important to get a good doctor, um, the right medication and not a ton of it. And there was a time I had to take a fair bit of medication. But as I mentioned, I don't take much now. I take one pill at night. It mostly helps me sleep and stabilize mm -hmm. my, my uh, serotonin. And before I was on, you know, quite a bit more. And I've, I've been able to wean down. But uh, being able to wean down, uh, I have to have other tools. And, and the other one is uh, meditation. Uh, I've learned to meditate and a lot of people hear that word meditation and they think you got to sit cross-legged and go, Oh yeah, exactly. They go, I ain't doing that. I can't do it. I can't slow it up. No, no, no. <laughs> the med medita meditation comes in so many different forms. Um, you know, uh, I do a formal uh, meditation, uh, just trying to calm my mind, being still, be in the moment. And it's take it, it it has taken some practice, but my wife, I say, man, you got to try this meditate uh, meditation, and she goes, oh, I can't, I'm too, you know, she's, you know, we're all a lot of us are like that, yeah. And a form of my meditation is in front of my barn. I've got a patch of grass, you know, I don't know, 20, 40 feet, and I water it by hand. There's no sprinklers, and I do that in the morning and the evening. And the dogs are out and the chickens are around and everything. And my wife at that time will come take my, my emotional sport dog <laughs> and put it in a basket and go on a bike ride, puts in her music. Uh -huh. One day I realized she comes rolling in and I said, Hey, how was your meditation? She goes, what, what are you talking about? I said, that is what you do every day, just to decompress. Mm -hmm. So there's different forms of, exactly. of, of meditation. Working out is uh so it, it, I'm just saying, don't get intimidated by meditation, people. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's different forms. Whatever works for you, go for it. Uh, I read a great book that got me kind of centered on that. It's called The Untethered Soul. Uh, doesn't, it's not a how-to book, but it, it's a book on how we're always living either in the past or the future. We're never in the moment. So that's a good book, uh, The Untethered Soul, Michael Singer. Um, that kind of got me into just being still for 20 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever I, I can do. Um, working out is, is big. I'm 60 years old and I'm in pretty dang good shape. Uh, I'm not crazy. Like I used to be working out because I had OCD and I worked out all the time, Yeah, but my body's falling apart. So mm -hmm. 
but I do, I do TRX. I, I, but the thing is I get the blood moving every morning. In, in fact, I wake up a lot of mornings, either depressed or anxious. Once I get a workout in that endorphin release and the blood flow, I roll pretty good through a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, counseling is still, if I, if I start feeling like I'm going to a real, I start. I, I don't know, it's about three years ago. I started to have the flashbacks again of, yeah. that, of that skate. And I, I went and did uh, three sessions of EMDR, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing, something about the left, right of the brain, your eyes moving, following a wand. Um, man, I haven't had a, a flashback nightmare since. So counseling, I don't hesitate. I don't, in other words, I don't go, I, I got this. I got this. I'm good. If I start going down that rabbit hole, uh, I'll call a counselor. Mm-hmm. And then being a service is huge. Um, it's giving back. It's almost selfish because when I give a talk, uh, you know, I public speak and people are crying, coming up, can I have a hug, uh, sign a book or whatever. And they want to tell their story for the first time. They're going to tell me their story. I'm like, right on. Mm-hmm. And because I was vulnerable, which you, we talked about, they're going, holy crap, I'm not alone. And they get help and they move on. And, um, but it's almost selfish too, because it makes me feel so good. Like, you know what? God spared me for those that are still suffering. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a suicide survivor and I survived I, I, for a reason and that's to help others. And when I see them outwardly, and then I get an email five months later saying, oh man, I've been therapy, I'm doing this or whatever, I'm meditating or whatever it might be, uh, it feels so good. So being of service, I know I'm helping others, but I'm also <laughs> doing it for myself because it's, it's a feel good deal. Well, so, that, I think that's so of the five things that you have on that we've talked about, um, aside from medication and counseling, everything else is things you can do right oh, away yeah. and implement yeah. in your day-to-day life immediately and well, go ahead sorry change, change your lifestyle sometimes right 100 it's, it's not a major change it's it's like some people need to our, our society a lot of people are overweight i've never had that problem probably because mm-hmm. i work out but if you can start doing little bits of working out watch your diet uh you know it's it's progress not perfection so don't think, oh my God, I got to lose a hundred pounds or 50 pounds or 10 pounds. No, it's progress, not perfection. Don't get overwhelmed, peck away at it, but make it part of a daily routine. Mm-hmm. I can speak to this a little bit because I just went on a road trip on a speaking deal and I came back, I was gone. I try to do whatever I can while I'm on the road, but with travel and schedule and time change, yeah, I come back home and I go, man, I got to I got to work out. I don't, I'm tired. I don't want to work out. So I take a day off, kind of recuperate, but I make a men- mental note. All right, tomorrow you're going to get back because I don't want to get sucked back into being complacent, not doing what we're supposed to do or I'm supposed to do. And so today uh, I, I, I got back at my routine. I just got home off a trip and I took a day, actually, what was it? I don't even, can't even count the days. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. I, I took a day or two to get me like rested up. And, but I was committed mentally to do what I need to do. My meditation, uh, working out and, uh, you know, trying to be a service, uh, answering emails. A lot of people think being of service too is, uh, yeah, I wrote a book and I public speak, uh, People go, oh, I, I haven't wrote a book. I don't. Being of service can be so simple as smiling at a coworker when you really don't feel like it, mm-hmm. because every everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Yeah. And sometimes that smile, or or how are how are you doing? No, how are you really doing? You you seem a little down today. Are you down? You can talk to me. Talk to me. Um, so that's being of service. Smiling, opening the door for somebody. Uh, you know, these are small things of being a service. It doesn't have to be joining the Rotary Club and getting overwhelmed. Oh, I got to be a service. No, take it easy. Maybe you work up to that, you know? Yeah. Oh, I I've love that you just said that. Because um, one thing that I've realized with doing this, I'm sure that you've learned in your time of 
opening up about your experiences and having people come up to you. It's like, you really realize that everyone is dealing with something and maybe they're just having a bad day. And that's why it's, it's so important to, that I want to stress that really asking, how are you really doing and, and being kind to people. And like you said, even if maybe they're being, I don't know, a little harsh to you, or maybe they're just in a mood and you don't really want to go out of your way to say hello, it, it, it really can make an impact on people by being kind and understanding that, Hey, like I'm not taking this personally. Maybe there's uh, something going on. It, it can help. Kindness. Kindness goes a long ways. Yeah. And I'll give you a quick story on that. Kindness, compassion, uh, get out of yourself and into others. Uh, I was coaching for a team and, and we were doing a fundraiser and we had some volunteers and this, uh, one gal came in, she was an older lady. And, uh, one day, she, you know, she came in, she was all dressed up, always nice, but nice, nice, nicely kept woman. And so I thought one day I gave her a compliment. I said, man, you look really good today. You look radiant. And she kind of like, you know, I got a compliment. And, and uh, so fast forward about, I don't know, three weeks later, she goes up to me, she goes, uh, Clint, I, I really want to thank you. I said, for what? Um, that compliment you gave me, you know, it was such a small little thing that I did that I totally forgot about it. I go, mm -hmm. what you you, uh, about a month ago, I came in and you said, I look really nice. I said, Oh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then she went on to tell her story a little bit. Um, she was in an abusive marriage. She was going through a real bad time. Didn't feel good about herself her looks or anything. And that little compliment didn't make her day. It made her month. So kindness is, is compassion is, is huge. Now I know in today's world with all the PC thing, you got to be careful giving a compliment because it could be taken as a, which I just freaking hate. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not a pervert. I'm not a hitting on people or anything. I just gave a nice lady a compliment thing. Yeah, you know, it, made, it's her, hard. Made, her, made her month. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard. Can you can you swear on this? Oh yeah, go ahead. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> I give compliments. I don't care if they want to take them wrong and and, and turn around and um, long as I'm not going overboard, which I don't. If I say somebody looks nice, that is not going to be taken as a sexual harassment. I wouldn't think today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it feels like everyone's in a constant state of walking on eggshells because you're just scrutinized yeah. for every move and. Yeah like the whole, I'm sure you know about the cancel culture. It's like you do something and it could be misconstrued and you're canceled yeah. all of a sudden on social media. And it's just, that's another complete different topic that could be another episode or three episodes, yeah. but it's just, I feel like we're just constantly in a, in a state of like picking each other apart and who's, who's doing something wrong today. But it's like, look in the mirror, like none of us are perfect. And well, we, we sure like to pick up on negative and uh, yeah. negative story um, and talk about the negative. I mean, it's like we thrive off that mm -hmm. and it, it saps our positive energy out. And I don't know if it's human nature or what, I'm not a doctor, um, but uh, it's like, we want to hear the, the sensational, this, you know, and you, you see it all. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to uh, pick a certain uh, thing, but you just read the internet. Exactly. Someone say this, this so-and-so and, and we kind of like that. Maybe it makes us feel better about ourselves that somebody else is going through some crap mm -hmm. and it's negative. And no, I try to stay away from that. Yeah. That's why I mean, look at the news. Everything it seems to be negative every single day and, and pointing the finger. It's just like, ah, and Especially watch now, the news. Now, yeah. now it's all time worse. And yeah. So it's, it's bad. And I think um, that's why I like, when you say about kindness, I think it's more important now than ever that we are kinder to each other and, and just, you know, being more patient with people and with each other and understanding that, Hey, everyone's going through a difficult time right now. And people are still kind of adjusting back to normal life. And, you know, people are trying to find that silver lining at the end that we're completely back to normal. And um, people are under a lot of stress and just being kind to each other and everyone's going through their own sort of thing. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you and, I'm curious to know what you think could be done more in, in the mental health community as far as breaking the stigma and really making a push towards um, towards that. You're doing it, Dan. What you're doing, your podcast, 
your efforts. Um, I'm trying to do the same thing, you know, uh, which I'd love for you to talk about, talk about what you're doing yeah, well, in your yeah. podcast as well yeah. to Warriors Unmasked. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Chuck Thus, uh, my partner and I, we have a podcast and you've been on it and, yep. uh, you know, your, your story, what you were awesome. You were totally awesome on, on that. And I appreciate that. Warriors Unmasked, tune in. You can hear Danny's side. Um, yeah. I mean, these are little things. They seem small. Oh, you're doing a podcast. No, they're, they all add up. Yep. Uh, being an advocate, like uh, talk about vulnerability, which we have. Um, encourage people um, saying it's okay to be not okay to mm-hmm. tell people that it is it is it is not a weakness it's a sickness and like any sickness you can get better uh, things like you're not alone sometimes people go, yeah right yeah right well if they hear your story or my story they're gonna go oh i guess i'm not alone yeah exactly you know so i think uh the stigma is our biggest uh hurdle because we've made great strides i know but here's a here's an analogy of where we need to be with mental health. If a person has cancer and they go into their boss and say, boss, I just got diagnosed with cancer. That boss is going to say, are you okay? What can we do? You take all the time off you need. You're going to get paid. We'll take care of you. Uh, If you want to work, you can work at home, whatever. Now, if you've got mental illness, you've been diagnosed, let's say with, uh, severe anxiety, depression, Mm -hmm. whatever. Are you going to go into your boss and tell them? Good chance, probably not. Nowadays, maybe you can because we've got HR. We've got anonymous hotlines through companies. So we've made progress. For sure. You see that little bit of a, you know, are you going to go into your boss? who Maybe you know your boss. He's a real compassionate guy. You can walk in and say, hey, man, I need some time off because I just got diagnosed. I, I've been going down this bad road and blah. But usually you're probably not good. So you see the difference and where we got to go. Yeah, I think it's important to be able to have that um, ability to go and speak to your boss or in hockey, your coach or in sports, your mm-hmm. coach. And I think it's super important because I think a lot of people are, are dealing with this pressure with yeah. athletics. And it's like, you're not going to be able to perform. Yeah. When you're going through these things, you're not going to be able to perform at your highest capability. Well, here's a here's a great example. Jonathan Drouin, Montreal Canadiens, last year went in and said, you know the story, right? Of course. Yeah. And basically they gave him nothing but support, said, Jonathan, take your time, whatever. Um, I think it was right before playoffs even. Yep. And he, he missed all the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now he's back rocking it, but they gave him that. Same team, Kerry Price this year, greatest goalie in the world, or one of them. And he needed, he was having some issues. And, but I guess the point is these two guys had nothing but positive outpouring on social media, um, through the public, all those things. I was like, oh, geez, we've, because when I went through my stuff in, uh, let's say 1990, it was covered up. The team knew, um, the GM, the management knew, but there was nothing. It was covered up. Um, they said I had ulcers or, you know, you know, a bunch of BS about, uh, they're not going to say, well, he's really struggling with some mental health issues. Yeah. That never came out then. That came out way later. Yeah. And it was me, it was me that, uh, you know, brought it public. So that's good. We got to dwell on that, that now there's just two examples and there's been more of, of professional athletes. And I like it when the, the pro athletes and the um, celebrity people that are coming out because it, they're read about, they're heard about, they're talked about, and it gives the average Joe that's working nine to five or doing whatever, uh, something to relate to go, wow, that superstar struggled. And everybody's supporting them on the social media. I read the sports every day and people are just pouring out nothing but love and support. Yeah. That that makes it better. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. And and like yourself, those two athletes um, are, you know, performed at the best level. And so it just goes to show it doesn't discriminate. And 
yeah. anyone anyone can deal with it and you know they they both do very well and you obviously had an incredible career and it's just hey this is just a thing that that happens and it's not going to discriminate and it's okay this is what i'm going through and how do we move forward and and like you said the outpouring of support and how far we've come compared to when you were dealing with these things and now it's it's it, we have come a long way and it's it's grown and I, you know, I hope that in the future, it just continues to traject in that direction. Well, I think it will. You keep doing what you're doing. You're definitely going to help. No, I appreciate that. And likewise, and um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, I just have one final question for you. And that's if, if what's one thing or a few things that you would have told maybe your younger self or tell the next person who may be struggling in silence or going through something, you know, a, a piece of advice or um, just some words of wisdom that something that you've well, learned or whatever the case is that I, I would tell people, I'm not going to talk to my younger self cause I'm too old to remember him. Yeah. Um, I would tell people to, to, um, understand that this is, this is epidemic almost like 42% of global businesses have, have, um, uh, spiked in mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. Decline and awareness. So they're going, whoa, we're, we're, our companies are suffering. Um, and that's a lot of COVID stuff. But I, I would just uh, tell people mostly, and I, I touched on this, you know, it's not a weakness, number one. It's a sickness. It's, an, it's just like any physical sickness, and it can be helped. Number two, you're not alone. There is so many, as you, Danny, can attest, so many of us that struggle. In fact, more of us struggle than not. Believe it or not, there's more people that struggle than not. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a sickness. You're not weak. You can get better. But you have to have acceptance. Yep. And come, up, come out of that dark place and, and talk to somebody. Share it with a spouse, a friend. And you will be so surprised that somebody would go, me too. Mm-hmm. It might have been a divorce a guy had 10 years ago. He's, he's doing great now, but when, when his friend shared with him, God, I'm so depressed. I go, you know, I can't even think or, you know, whatever his story is that you'll be surprised how many people will go, holy crap, me too. Yeah, no, without a doubt, the acceptance piece, I'm happy that you mentioned that as well. And again, I want to thank you again for being on here and and being so vulnerable and, and sharing your story and obviously super grateful for the fact that you are alive to tell your story and you know how much power there is in that. And um, just everything that you said, I'm just appreciative of your time and um, can't thank you enough. And for everybody listening, check out Warriors Unmasked with Chuck Thuss and Clint Malarchuk. Um, it's available on Apple and Spotify. Okay, great. So everyone can listen there and um, I'll have that linked in the description below as well. But um, again, I just wanted to thank you again for your time. And, and people can reach out to me. I have a website, malarchuk.com. And, uh, you know, I, I've got my email, it, you know, people, I'm, I'm very open to people uh, asking questions or, you know, needing support. I, I'm there. Keep awesome. doing what you're doing, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you, I, man. I appreciate that. Love you, too. And I, I can't thank you enough again. And I'll have everything that you just mentioned linked below in the description so people can um, check that out and get in touch with you. So um, thank you again. I look forward to staying in touch. All right. Make sure you do.